2: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. This is the podcast where I do my best, along with my brilliant contributors, to catch you up on the week. If you haven't been paying attention to the news, if you haven't been paying attention to culture, if you haven't been paying attention to the celebs, no problem. I'm going to catch you up on everything over the course of the next hour or so. I hope you had a good week. Um, it was a pretty hectic one for me. Um, I, was, I was all over the place. I was in two hotels this week. Can you believe it? Let me tell you, two very different experiences. (laughs) The first hotel I was in was absolutely fabulous. It was the Heritage, um, which is in Leash. Am I going to get this wrong? Oh, God. Come on, Louise. No, it is in Leash. Yeah. Um, And I was there. It was a, a pure invitation and I got to go and check out the spa, which is lovely, by the way. I love a spa. As someone who kind of finds it quite hard to relax, I find spas are a very good place to do that. Um, And I suppose that's the idea. Um, And I got to go and uh, check out the hotel and the spa, and it was really delightful. I think it's a, it would be a great handy place to go on a girls weekend from Dublin because it's a really, it's less than an hour drive. It's near Kildare Village. so You can go shopping there. Um, rooms are lovely. Like there was two double beds in our room. So my friend and I had loads of space. And the spa, you know the way some some spa hotels you go to, the spas are kind of like the thermal suites or whatever you want to call it. Like those areas where, you, you know, ideally you want to kind of hang out and chill a little bit. Sometimes they're very cramped and... Um, you, you can't really just hang out, um, whereas there's loads of room here. But the reason that I brought it up in the first place is because I wanted to tell you about a treatment that we had, which was wild. So they have like a special section of their spa where they kind of mimic the spa experience of Morocco. And then there are two, uh, well, maybe there were more, but I experienced two treatments. One of them was a Razoul treatment, which is like a mud situation. Uh, So basically you go into this room and it's like decorated kind of like Moroccan theme and um, you're given three little bowls of um, stuff and the first one is an exfoliant and the second one is a mud for your body and then the third one is a mud for your face and it's a room for two so you can go in with your partner or with your friend and you get into the shower and exfoliate first with this lovely scrub and then you cover yourself in mud and then the two of you get into this little room Um, it's dark, it's full of steam. It's a steam room and um, covered in mud. And you stay in there for like half an hour and it's, they have like, you know, a kind of starlit ceiling and um, it's relaxing. But the thing that it is, is that the, the guy who showed us explained to us that after half an hour showers were going to come on in the room and that the temperature would be cold because the whole kind of thesis behind it is that you increase the body temperature and then cool it down and it's good for the lymphatic system but it just meant we were like on edge for the first 20 minutes just waiting for this cold water and then we finally forgot about it when it actually happened so let me tell you there was screaming there was jumping around and um, personally I love a hot to cold moment and um, but my friend Sarah was not so sure and um, but th- Genuinely, when I tell you our skin felt amazing afterwards. And then I went and got like an additional treatment, which they recommend kind of in combination called the Hammam, which is like a full body scrub. So she does your body with a dry brush and then with a scrub. And honestly, I felt like I had been given entirely new skin. And um, so if you have like a big event or a wedding, your wedding, maybe coming up something where you want the skin on your body to feel really like rejuvenated and soft and um, like you've shed your skin like a snake. I actually genuinely would recommend those two treatments in combination. Um, and it's a lovely place to be a lovely place to stay. I would have liked to have stayed there for like five or six days. <laughs> that's all I want at the moment it's just like five or six days somewhere where no one's gonna contact me or annoy me and um, so anyway that was my first hotel experience and then my second hotel experience this week I uh, thank you very much for that experience by the way because I did really enjoy it my second hotel experience of the week was uh, because I was in Limerick doing my live show and in Dolan's warehouse and man it was so fun Anna Nolan was my guest and we started off by chatting about Big Brother and we all kind of watched some clips and stuff of um, Big Brother through the years and Anna was just, it was great to have Anna there because she was able to obviously offer her insight of being part of the very first Big Brother. We talked about kind of the way things have changed with the TV show from the beginning to now and her experience of it. And she had met quite a few of the big characters down the years as well. Um, and then we talked about her career and um, all the work that she's doing now um, for the LGBTQ plus community and kind of where she is with with her career and, and her I don't know personal development <laughs> but it was great she's lovely and um we had so much fun and definitely I will be putting that out at some stage as an episode um, over the next couple of months I would imagine so yeah those are the kind of big things in my week um and I feel very lucky to have done both of them I have also just been totally overcome by what is happening in the Middle East um like lots of us I think I've cried over it this week I have felt so angry and so desperate watching the videos that are coming of children suffering, of parents suffering, of other innocent people suffering. It is truly heartbreaking and very difficult to sit with in the context of the fact that life goes on for the rest of us and um I certainly found it quite challenging to see the difference between the lives of people in Israel at the moment and the lives of people in Palestine at the moment. Um, it's hard to stomach. Um, I was going to say, but we have to get on with it. And I think that's what I'm really struggling with, because, I mean, I guess we do have to get on with it. But I also... Don't feel great about that. I I find it really hard to just get on with it at the moment. And I think that there are lots of people who feel the same. So, and solidarity with you i will be at the protest which is taking place in dublin um as you're listening if you're listening on friday it's tomorrow on the 21st of october and it is kicking off the garden of remembrance at one o'clock i'll be there there are other protests happening around the country and around the world on saturday so i would really encourage you to get out and um, get involved because we have to send the very clear message that what's happening is completely unacceptable Anyway, with that in mind, I suppose it makes sense for us to transition into the news catch up this week, where, of course, myself and Carl Kinsler, who is columnist with the journal.ie, got into it and got into what's happened in the last week. Now, there is a caveat with this week's episode, and I genuinely apologize for this. I was really delighted with myself. I had set up all the interviews for the podcast um, for this morning. I was going to record them all in my hotel room. In Limerick, I brought all of my equipment. And when I went to set up, I had forgotten one essential wire, the wire that connects my microphone to my recorder, which meant that I couldn't record via my microphone. So I had to do a little bit of kind of MacGyvering. And I recorded the audio on my phone. It's not that bad, um, I don't think. And then I had to kind of sellotape them together. And unfortunately, the (laughs) Wi-Fi... Was kind of a comedy error, guys the wi-fi was not so strong in the hotel that i was staying in so it's slightly glitchy i think it's absolutely still listenable to Um, it's not the standard that i like to provide you with so i hope you'll just forgive me for this it will never happen again i learned a very valuable lesson always triple check that i have got every single little bit of my equipment i just had so much stuff to bring with me um Anyway, yeah, lots and lots of lessons learned um, and, uh, and hopefully it will never happen again. Um, but I really didn't want you to not have an episode this week because I think it is absolutely crucial, particularly the new section at the moment. So here you go. Carl Kinslet joining us once again from Amsterdam. We both are having mic issues this week, but we're we're soldiering on because it is actually important that we that we get the news out this week. But before we do, you just said you're so cold you're worried that people will be able to hear it through the microphone. What is going on?
3: Well, I'm afraid that they'll be able to hear like my teeth chattering and stuff. Why are you so- uh, Yeah, I'm I'm freezing. I think so. You know, as I've mentioned before, I'm I'm in Amsterdam and I think finally the temperature is starting to drop. And maybe, maybe it turns out that the place I'm living is not super well insulated because oh. I just, I woke up this morning and I was just, free- and I haven't been freezing since I've been here, but I woke up this morning and I am, I'm basically shivering. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see uh, whether like, you know, the feedback for this episode will be, be like, <laughs> Carl sounds like he needs a blanket.
2: What's uh, the long-term plan for that? Like, is there heating
3: I, yeah, there, there. I can see a radiator over here. I have because it was really warm, really warm when I first moved in. I never like kind of, I just didn't ask any questions. Right. Um, okay, maybe I, I maybe
2: experiment I, with that radiator. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. It might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah,
3: there's, there's probably something something I can do to to fix this.
2: Um, Carl, I a actually I can push somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I actually was thinking during the week because I made reference to one of your greatest pieces of work, and I thought actually my listeners might not know that you were behind it. Um, when I was talking about Dolly Parton being on Lifeline this week, and I just genuinely couldn't believe it, Um, I replied and I said, is this, did this happen in the way the Lewis is free or what is the story? Um, And I realized that you, people might not know that you were the man yeah. behind the Lewis being free.
3: <laughs> yeah, this is something that I try not to brag about. <laughs> okay. because. We don't, time, first, we don't have to go deep, We
2: don't
3: have to go deep. Yeah. When I first, when I first like, it, it was me. I I did, like, I put up the first tweet suggesting that everybody should, you know, develop a sort of collective action approach towards making the Lewis free. But I was really scared at the time. I was scared that the guardi were going to, like, arrest me for fraud or, like, misinformation or something. So for a while, I kind of, like, shied away from it. But now sometimes it'll come up at a party and someone will, like, introduce me to someone else and they'll be like, oh, Carl was the one who was behind the Free Lewis thing. And then whoever they introduced me to will be like, oh, no way, I don't believe that. And I don't want to push the issue, but I I refuse to let anyone else take credit for it. So I have to be like, no, look, it's not a big deal, but yes, it was me, I can prove it. Um,
2: But also the fact that they don't believe it, like is kind of demonstrates (laughs) how cool and significant it is like because if someone was like oh carl's carl's the one who tweeted you know apples or oranges like nobody would care but something as iconic as the lewis is free like you would be (laughs) like ah couldn't be couldn't be like no way that's like saying your cousin's beyonce or something i
3: think my my main point of pride is that like i am mentioned on the lewis wikipedia page like if you (laughs) go on the lewis wikipedia page and you scroll down to like incidents and controversies (laughs) it's like Uh, journalist Carl kinsley tried and it like quotes the entire tweet which i think uh, is really funny
2: i love Um, it so much love that for you and And like yeah
3: (laughs) it's yeah it's good it is something i'm thinking i'm deep down i'm quite proud of
2: (laughs) you should be you should be and i just felt the listeners should know that that's the kind of level we're operating at here um okay well we do have lots of news to discuss and obviously um, we need to start once again in gaza um it has been, man, I was thinking even just since we spoke last week, things have gotten so much darker and bleaker and upsetting. Um, so where do things stand now at the moment?
3: Yeah, well, certainly the sort of the biggest development in the last week has been on Tuesday night, the the bombing of hospital in in gaza which appears to have left at least 500 people dead that came at the same time as as joe biden was arriving in israel to to show his support for israel who are obviously a very major ally of the united states yeah. um this bombing of the hospital has thrown everything into disarray obviously it was kind of in disarray already but it's intensified and amplified massively uh, it resulted in in Uh, the Palestinian Authority calling off a summit with Joe Biden that was going to be held in Jordan. So I suppose the intention was that they were going to make some kind of inroads when Biden visited. Mm. That's all down by the wayside now, because obviously the narrative put forward by the Palestinian Authority uh, is that um, Israel are responsible for bombing this hospital. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of deductive reasoning going on. There's kind of neither side, because the Israel army, they claim that it's the result of a misfiring Palestinian rocket. Mm. Um, there's reasons. There's sort of arguments on on both sides. It's it's sort of hard to see. Typically, the damage done by a Palestinian rocket is is in the low low double digits. So for it to have killed five hundred people is uh, people don't it, it Doesn't seem to wash with people. Yeah.
1: There's,
3: if yeah, and there's also been mounting evidence in terms of in the kind of immediate aftermath of the strike there were israel government officials who who kind of copped to it they said they said that we've just uh, attacked a a hamas sort of munition center a hamas base located within a hospital they then deleted those tweets there was supposed video evidence shared by official israeli government channels that turned out to be false They shared a supposed conversation between Hamas operatives that I think experts have said. It doesn't really sound like the kind of conversation Hamas operatives would have. So there's been a lot of holes in Israel's story.
2: Mm. Um, And then you have Joe Biden in Israel. uh, Sorry to interrupt that you have Joe Biden in Israel using like I, I actually can't believe he used this language around the bombing of a hospital, which killed hundreds of people and hundreds of vulnerable people and children, obviously, that he said it seems like it was the other team. The other team? The other team. Like, as if this is a game God. that's being played? Yeah.
3: And it's, you know, people have so often referred to his folksy style of communication and the way yeah. he's very tactful in, in how he phrases things, which I don't know, that might be appropriate for some kind of, you know, like a floor fight in the Senate, or some kind of policy issue in the United States. When you're talking about 500 dead bodies, um, obviously, it, it just and it just sort of, it goes, it really, it goes to show the sort of relationship that Israel have with the United States and the sort of the casual nature of it and just how assumed that support is. You know, it really kind of shows that the United States, there's no thought whatsoever of deviating from this path, path of like giving carte blanche to Israel when it comes to their military operations. It's, it's, you know, I saw even John Fetterman, the senator from the United States, he's, yeah. he's kind of one of the more left wing senators this week. He said, like, now is not the time to be discussing a ceasefire. And it's just crazy to think that in the United States that even the leftmost politicians, they have no interest seemingly in, yeah. in stopping the violence on either side. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you have to say that based on the last week that you the United States influence on what's happening is, is a malign, a really malign presence in the conflict.
2: Yeah, I've been um, I've been commenting on Joe Biden's Instagram posts. That is the level of like, I mean, what am I, 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 you know, but it's it's the frustration and the feeling of powerlessness at the contradictory shit that he's saying and that's coming out of America. I mean, it's wild. Like the one that I that got me started uh, commenting on Joe Biden's Instagram post, which I'm sure he's reading my comments, obviously, and it is influencing (laughs) policy. Um, you know, where he said that he offered unwavering support to Israel, but also acknowledged that, you know, Palestinians were not Hamas. And you're like, well, how can you then have unwavering support for Israel as they bomb and kill thousands of palestinian children and adults innocents. like it's oh man i know it is so upsetting to sit with um and there's been a lot of sorry go ahead
3: i was just gonna say like you know you have joe biden who will talk about sort of ending the bloodshed and and needing to de-escalate but then you have the united states in the united nations voting against security council resolutions to you know call for a ceasefire and call for humanitarian corridors to be opened up. So yeah, it's like the United States is talking out of both sides of its mouth and it kind of the side you can believe is the side that is being supportive of of, of Israel. Mm.
2: Yeah, well, let's talk about that UN Security Council veto that by the US because um, there was a lot of uh, conversation this week about Ursula von der Leyen and the European Union's position on this. Um, Obviously, I think a lot of people will have seen that Michael D. Higgins came out and kind of questioned the validity of Ursula von der Leyen's position and how credible it was for her to speak in the way that she did, um, which I think a lot of Irish people were really proud to see. Um, So we have that on the one hand where people are struggling. Then you have the UN Security Council, 12 of the 15 members of the Security Council. It's quite like when you look at the, the, there's, you know, infographics and all the, you know, the likes of it around at the moment. When you look at it, 12 of the 15 members supporting, um, you know, a text that criticizes the crimes of Hamas, but also says that there needs to be a humanitarian pause at this moment so that, you know, support can be sent in for Palestinian people vetoed by America.
3: Like yeah. and it's like the the resolution isn't asking for much, it's not a strong resolution um it's not like a wholesale condemnation of Israel, as you say, it's asking for a pause in hostilities um so for the u s to shoot that down, it just goes to show what the attitude is politically in the United States, yeah. and it just makes you feel like they're just gonna continue adding fuel to the fire um and it's it's it is deeply worrying,
2: yeah, I think you know. You just have to wonder how many videos of parents carrying their dead children. I saw a video of a man this week carrying his son's body parts in two bags, two plastic bags. Like, what is it going to take? If, if, they're, if they're not like supporting a ceasefire or a humanitarian pause or whatever you want to call it, you know, now... When will they? I think that's the position that lots of us find ourselves in, just kind of agonizingly wondering if there's ever going to be an end to this. I mean, there will, because there just aren't that many Palestinian people. But are we going to watch like the full extermination of Palestinians? That's what it feels like.
3: That's certainly I think on Tuesday night when the hospital was attacked, there was a feeling of, well, if this is permissible, then where does it end? you know like it's if this is something now that we've decided as an international community that this is acceptable even once Mm. then where on earth do we go from here how much longer does this last how much violence are we going to witness and I think that is still the feeling I think it because there really is no the idea of a ceasefire is not really gathering momentum and it's you know it is just stomach turning and, and as you say it's you know, it's worse than it was last week and there's really no sign of it abating.
2: Yeah. Um, I think it's worth noting that there have been protests all over the world and there are more protests taking place uh, this Saturday. There's one at one o'clock in Dublin, which I will be going to. And um, there are... Very moving protests by Jewish people all around the world um, who are who are saying that, that they do not want this done in the name of their religion, um, which I think is really great. And I've seen lots of really thoughtful commentary by Jewish writers saying, you know, for some Jewish people, this particularly American Jewish people, I think this is really confronting and they're having to kind of unlearn and relearn a lot. But then you do see some content coming out of Israel that is so jarring. I shared a video this week, if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, I shared it in both places, of a young woman with an American accent. Um, just, I mean, first of all, opening the video by saying, day in the life, we're at war edition. And then detailing her day, desperately trying to get gluten-free flour so that she can make gluten-free cookies for the soldiers of the IDF. And you're just like... This is what you're doing. This is your life on one side of this. And I'm going to use it in air quotes because I don't believe I wouldn't call it a war, but this war. And then you have got Palestinians desperately fleeing from all corners of the country without anywhere to go. You know, it's a very different experience. And it's it's one of the most jarring things I've ever lived through. Um, and, you know, it's not looking good. But I suppose all we can do is just hope that there there is some sort of See change, I suppose.
3: Um, yeah. Sorry. And I suppose right, right, right to TDs. I've seen a lot of yeah. talks this week about the, you know, I mean, obviously Ireland's impact on the global scale is probably pretty low, but, you know, if it is something that you feel passionately about, mm. write to your TV, you yeah. know, just just it's, it's worth a go.
2: And I did hear actually that thousands of people did that this week. So um, yes, it is great to see people yeah. taking action. Okay, let's move on to. Unfortunately, something also very upsetting. Um, it, the trial of um the man accused of murdering Ashling Murphy began this week.
3: Yes, the trial of uh, Joseph Puska um, thirty three year old man, uh, began on Monday. As you say, he's charged with the murder of Ashling Murphy. How people will probably remember Ashling Murphy was a young woman, a young school teacher who was tragically murdered in, in Tullamore in January uh, 2022. So that trial began this week uh, in Tullamore. Um, or no, in the Central Criminal Court in Dublin. Um, and yeah, it's it's hard reading, of course, as you might expect. It's expected to go on for a long time. It's expected to go on for five weeks. Um, right now, we're kind of hearing the the defense's side of the story. Um, and we had a witness this week who was brought in to refute this claim by the defense, the The man Joseph Puska, who he did apparently admit the crime to the police. This is what the police have told the court, but he's pled not guilty now. Um, yeah. Because that was a
2: surprise, wasn't it? That he was pleading not guilty. I think some people weren't expecting
3: that. Yeah. It's and it's it, the, the defense uh, offered by the barrister yesterday was that, by his barrister was that, he was actually trying to come to the aid of Ashling Murphy, that some other injury had befallen her, and he had come to their aid. Uh, this was refuted by uh, a witness named uh, Jenna Stack, who who took the stand yesterday and 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 she gave kind of a full account uh, of of the attack and and said that she had borne witness to um, Ashling Murphy kind of struggling and kicking and and sort of fighting for her life. Um. So. Kind of that's that's where we're at now. There's still there's still weeks to go, yeah. but right now the court is is, is hearing evidence uh, about the kind of the actual moments of of the attack.
2: Okay, cool. Um, I think it's just important to acknowledge that that's begun, and we will come back to that. We won't be talking about it every week, but when when it finishes up, obviously we'll bring you an update on how it's gone. Uh, an interesting protest this week by healthcare assistants who are looking for um basically they want visas for their families these are people who've come to ireland to work in healthcare and they want to be able to bring their kids over to join them and which seems like to me like a kind of relatively small request um but what's the situation
3: yeah so this is this is specific to healthcare systems from from non-eu countries who, who are working in ireland And they would like the opportunity to get a visa waiver to bring their spouses, spouses and children here to live with them. Um, And this is this is applies to uh, roughly a thousand workers. A lot of them are from India. This is my colleague at the Journal. Emer Macaulay, has been doing a lot of work on this particular story. Um, So there is a scheme that exists whereby families can come over. But the the salary cutoff point is is. Lower than the average salary for uh, these healthcare assistants, okay. so this is the problem that they're facing. So I think uh, this that they need to be earning, I think thirty thousand or thirty three thousand, in order for their families to come to Ireland and join them. Most of them earn somewhere in the region of twenty seven thousand. So it's uh oh, that seems you know, you've so got the shitty. That's
2: like totally shitty.
3: Yeah, and you know you've got. They talk about they have they're here they're working in a nursing home it's a very tough job they have no family support it's just uh, it's it's a really kind of nightmare situation and they they have now taken to protesting outside Leinster House so it's something that is gathering momentum and it's the kind of thing that probably will start to because I mean there are so many people who rely on these healthcare assistants yeah. um you know kind of not just individuals but entire families who have an individual who needs care. So I think this is the kind of thing where you could end up seeing like broad support for this scheme to be changed because these people are so crucial to sort of Ireland's healthcare infrastructure. Um, And, you know, it's so strange that this is being decided by a matter of thousands of Euro. Um, So that's that's kind of where we're at with that at the moment.
2: Yeah, well, I hope now we'll see move. It's good to know that they're taking action and hopefully we will see response and briefly, Synod? Synod? I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think Synod.
3: So I think Synod. So <laughs>
2: Synod. I, as I was researching for this, like what we should talk about, I came across this and I was like, what is this? Um, so maybe we could just quickly get into what it is. Um, it looks culty is what yeah, it looks. <laughs>
3: It does look culty. So, yeah, again, I can shout out another colleague of mine, Dermot Pepper, who's over in the Vatican at the minute. So the Synod, this, this Synod, it's a meeting of bishops, uh, I think nearly 400 bishops. And they, you know, get together for a month. They take a whole month away from whatever it is they're doing in their home country. And they come to the Vatican just to discuss the big, either logistical or theological kind of Position of the church in so many different uh ways. I think there's been a lot of talk so far on LGBTQ representation in the church and what can be done to modernize the church. Um it's it's been I so I was reading about it. I can't claim to be a natural expert on on synods. You know, it's not <laughs> like it wasn't on the top of my head. I did do a bit of research. Um this synod is is called the synod on synodality. So it's it's like a synod. It's you know, which I just <laughs> think is is such a funny you know, it's just these words that people in the real world don't use, yeah. But in the Vatican, the oh, word so. is so important that they need to use it twice in the title of their event, um, which I do think is funny. But it's it's being said that this could be it's like this is the culmination of of Pope Francis's legacy, is is what people are kind of saying, which is interesting. Like Pope Francis. Quite famously, he's he's been more inclusive than his predecessors. Mm. Um, he's kind of active in terms of calling for the acceptance of LGBTQ people in the lead up to the synod. He issued sort of a, a decree saying that there needs to be more of like a Christian effort to fight climate change, and that fighting climate change is like a Christian responsibility. So it's quite, you know, quite progressive as far yeah. as uh leader of the Catholic Church can go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why um this particular synod this particular meeting it's been called kind of the most important uh meeting of the vatican since uh vatican 2 which took place in the 60s and kind of revolutionized how the church did business i think it was the vatican II conference that's how we ended up stopping doing mass in latin and we got rid of the rules about like women had to wear a hat but men had to take their hat off that kind of thing um so (laughs) this is this is sort of like a sequel to that um i think it's being thought of that way because the church is trying to like move in a more progressive direction Mm. so i think so the as a result of the synod they're going to meet this year and next year and there's going to be a report published in 2025 Mm. which i mean the pope can kind of choose to take what comes from these meetings and these discussions and sort of issue his decrees or i think it's called it's called a papal exoration. um (laughs) And you know he could decide what to do, whatever he wants. I guess with the papal exoration, he could Gosh. he could make a whole bunch of new rules. It's
1: we could lot, have to start wearing
3: hats to church again. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is mad, and it, it does. I do. You say it looks culty. It also looks kind of cool, though. You know, I always think that when I look at big, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is kind of sick. You know. Um, I mean, just <laughs> I the pictures,
2: is like the outfits that they wear in the Vatican, like the photographs of the guys. I don't know if you've have you ever been to the Vatican
3: no and I would love to go I would oh, love to go
2: <laughs> you have to go it's so weird I've been a couple of times and um, because it is one of those things if you're in Rome like it's a big site um but it's worth going just one to see the sheer amount of gold everywhere and two to see the outfits that the guys wear and there's so much pomp and ceremony it's wild in the 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 journal article um by Deborah Pepper Uh, that we referenced, there's one photo, I mean, (laughs) there's one photo of the Pope who he's sitting beneath the resurrection, which is like this massive sculpture kind of with, I I mean, I presume it's Jesus uh, coming out from the middle and then surrounded by kind of these dark structures. And then it's, it's ginormous. Like it's so big. It's like 40 feet tall. And then the Pope is sitting and then one of the bishops, I presume the guys who were... Guys, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm just ignorant. The guys who wear the black kind of cloaks with the red little cap is, is beside him. But then on the edges are the Vatican guys. And like, there is nothing camper than the outfits that these guys wear. Like they are wearing blue, red and yellow striped like pantaloons, voluminous pantaloons. They're wearing they've got the blazer that they're wearing is tightly nipped in with a belt at the waist and then has a beautiful puffy sleeve I would 100% wear this and then they're wearing hats with like a big red plume on the top and they're holding like a sharp stick like it's ridiculous but also (laughs) yes, kind of cool
3: they look like they should be on like a you know like a deck of playing cards they yes. look like a, a joker or a jack or something <laughs> that's um, a much
2: better description than what i just did um very good Um, we are really over time but i do i don't want to let th- this go without referring to the referendum that was defeated in australia this week um, because i think a lot of people will have kind of gotten an idea that something happened but not know. so just kind of top line, um, a lot of disappointment over a referendum that happened in Australia and was defeated about the representation of Indigenous people, basically, right, in their constitution?
3: Yeah, so this is being known in Australia as the Indigenous Voice Referendum, which uh, had it passed, which it, it unfortunately didn't, it would have Um, established a representative body for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australia. So it would have allowed uh, for this group uh, representing Indigenous people to, like, make representations to the Australian Parliament. So they could have come in, they could have given advice, they could have basically just been... They didn't have the power to kind of veto anything, um, but they would have had the power to exhort some kind of influence over political goings on in Australia, there's a lot in Australia, there's really not a lot of political representation for Indigenous people. So unfortunately, this lost in kind of a landslide, it was 60% no, less than 40% for yes. And from what I've read about it, it does seem as though the, the, you know, that racism did sort of play a role or anti-Indigenous sentiment played a role. Mm. There seemed to be a lot of misinformation around as to what the uh voice group could have done like i think there's a lot of people who were taken in by misinformation that this voice group could have proposed and passed its own laws and mm. kind of changed things very laterally mm. i don't think there was uh, there's you know there's no basis to that whatsoever yeah. it would have been sort of an advisory group you know the word the phrase uses that they make representations to parliament so it's sort of like when you see an iraq committee and you see people coming in and and giving yeah. their two cents on something in experts so you know to me you know reading it outside of the australian sort of cultural context i look at it it seems like something that would be vital you know it seems like something that would be very useful for i mean i feel like any country that has an indigenous population um certainly has a sort of a a requirement to listen to those indigenous voices Mm. so it's a it's a real it's a shame that this hasn't been passed i think
2: it is a shame. And it's got to be so disheartening for the groups who campaigned for it. Um, you know, to feel like you're asking for the bare minimum and then have even that defeated significantly has is, is got to be heartbreaking. Um, okay, well, Carl, that's unfortunately not a whole lot of great news this week. But look, we are where we are. Um, some weeks there's good stuff. I'll try and find something nice for us to end on next week. Um, but thank you so much for taking us through those stories. Uh, where can people find your work, Carl?
3: um they can find my work every saturday morning on the journal.ie um i have a column called surrealing in the years that just sort of looks at the stranger stories from the irish news cycle and more and more so from the global news cycle yeah because um, things are feeling global these days
2: they sure uh, are
3: yeah in the worst possible in the worst possible way yes. um it's <laughs> but true. that's where people can, people can find my work or they can follow me on twitter at tv's crowdkinsula
2: okay thank you so much thanks louise Anytime Senator Lin Ruan is up in arms or taking action about something I generally find I share her passion for whatever it is that she's up in arms about and uh, she has spent the last well I think it's uh, six or seven years uh, working in and around the legality of NDAs in this country uh, she has a bill which would prevent NDAs from being used in cases of bullying and harassment and other specific situations in the workplace um, I wasn't 100% clear on how that might work or why NDAs might be a problem. So I asked her to explain ahead of the bill coming up before the fifth and final stage in the Shannon and to explain what exactly it is why it's important that we look at it and what impact it's having on people's lives currently especially lots of women's lives here in Ireland and around the world. So please enjoy senator lynn Ruan, it is not the first time that you have been on this podcast uh thankfully previously we've talked about your work as a senator and how you came to be a senator um, and your amazing podcast that you did um which kind of amplified voices of people in prison and um, which was an award-winning podcast last year at the irish podcast <laughs> awards you just don't do things by halves do you
4: no no it's always well i think i think um I think it does be more the, the people that I get involved in the stuff that I do, they're always quite special, like do you know what I mean? So I think it's it's them that it's them that uh deserve the award more than me.
2: Well, they were certainly brilliant contributors, but I think it's interesting that you immediately kind of give the credit to other people. It says a lot about <laughs> you, I think. <laughs> Classic Lynn Ron. Um so I wanted to talk to you today because you have a bill that's coming up, which I know is really important to you and that I kind of was aware of, but didn't know a lot about um, until you contacted me recently about it. So I thought we should maybe share with people what it is that you're working on um, because it's around NDAs, also known as non-disclosure agreements. And so maybe give us the kind of the, the brief on what's going on.
4: Right. So I suppose the start where I became aware of NDAs was, um, a good few years ago about four or five years ago a couple of people that I know um on a personal level and one or two I remember one person had sought my advice once on a severance agreement that they were signing and I noticed within the severance agreement that there was a clause in there that was a silencing clause and I was kind of like that's interesting you know why you know why would that be there surely people have you know recourse in the courts whenever they like if there's something that has happened that they want to pursue and stuff so it kind of piqued my interest at that time I did, we didn't really well I didn't really have an awareness of the use of NDAs Um, and then obviously um with the me too movement and with other more high profile people especially in the US uh coming out um and talking about NDAs then the kind of vocabulary and understanding of ndas kind of start to really set in and that's when i i i met with some solicitors at the time as well and kind of got them to walk me through what potential scenarios would a solicitor be suggesting putting these ndas in for and it became i became aware that it was really common practice in ireland mm. and basically what it does is um there's a number of different situations where it can be used, but like if I was just to use a simple example so that people can understand, like a yeah. difficult example. So say you have somebody who is being bullied and um, by their employer or by somebody within an organization, and sometimes it could be happening for months. It could be happening for a, a lot longer than that, too. And a kind of somebody decides to try and go through different channels to report this. Um, mm. In many of the cases that we were working with, what happened was when they couldn't remedy internally the issue and often two things could happen. Either the organization knows that the person is problematic. Maybe it might not be the first time that, Mm. you know, um, reports have been made internally about them and. mediators can be brought in, then solicitors can be brought in, sometimes the individual who is making the allegation or accusation, we uh, feel they need to get away from the situation and from the individual. So mm. often then uh, people start talking about severances. So within that then, in the with a lot of people that we were working with and the NDAs that we've actually seen. Um, the silencing nearly becomes attached to the idea of you receiving a severance. Right. So people are then under the illusion that that for them to get this severance and to move on and just try to see the back of this and um, that they need to sign this NDA. And often by then they've been quite beaten. They can be quite mm. tired. They just want away from the situation. And a lot of the initially it was a lot of women that we were working with and they really felt after sometimes months, sometimes a year or two with distance from the situation, they then became really angry that they had kind of signed this NDA and they were kind of like, I actually don't want to be silent on this. Like, So they yeah. kind of healed a little bit, like with everything, you know, time yeah. and distance can change a lot of things. Mm. And then sometimes people will learn that they weren't the only one. So they may learn that this person has uh, been problematic with other people. And then they start to kind of acknowledge that potentially the silence of that person, then you're kind of there's this idea around third parties. So the idea that an NDA is being signed between two individuals, a solicitor, an employer, and that then people in the room are the only people affected by the NDA is completely untrue because it's often a pattern of behavior. So mm. it's not that this person just stops and doesn't actually bully or harass or sexually harass uh, anybody else. So you're kind mm. of just and there's another kind of term called passing the trash, mm. which means that sometimes uh, big organizations or universities or different kind of um, sectors want to move the the person who um, they know is a potential kind of abuser or bully or whatever it may be. So yeah. then within within the NDA, sometimes there's an agreement that the organization will give the, the potential perpetrator this glowing reference. So mm. nobody can speak under this NDA. So So this person then may go for an interview in a different organization or a different department, and that department will seek references and there's this glowing references that follows this mm-hmm. individual. So there's a woman called Professor Julie McFarlane, who helped draft the legislation with me and she and um, she's a professor of law in she's in Canada. And she she wasn't she wasn't part of an NDA, but because she's the person who would have given the reference within the school, they try to get to have to write a reference for somebody who had signed an nda and she refused so she mm. challenged the use of an nda that wasn't even about her but was starting to yeah. with her because she didn't want to give this glowing reference to the individual you know so she yeah. wrote a book on that whole experience so myself julie and Zelda perkins who broke the harvey weinstein nda we've been working together for a number of years and looking at the common thread throughout a lot of different countries ireland the uk uh, Canada, Australia, we're working with uh, policymakers in um, a number of different uh, Canadian provinces in the US. We also mm. worked quite closely with a woman called Afoma, FOMA, and she broke um, NDAs in relation to um, racial discrimination and uh, discrimination and pay and stuff in some of the, the, the tech industry in the US. So there's mm. lots, of mi- women, <laughs> lots of women, lots of women working together, kind of exposing their use. And so in Ireland, what I To kind of bring it into the Irish context, what I've done is I've looked at the employment equality law. And obviously, within the employment equality law, we have the seven grounds of equality. So what I want to do is make it illegal and ban NDAs when they are in conflict with the seven grounds of equality. So if somebody is being accused of uh, bullying someone based on their gender or race, uh, marital status, ethnicity—that these are things we already protect within a, a, employment law. So why would yeah. we then be introducing NDAs into contracts that actually cover up people who are abusing people that would ordinarily um, be sanctioned or you know have disciplinary procedures for actually breaking those seven grounds of equality? Mm. So the bill would ban the use in those cases. Mm. And so. It all but affect bans NDAs in a, in yeah. a sense apart from what they were originally set up for. So NDAs were set up for tech secrets and you know tech, yeah. um you know trade secrets and yeah commercially sensitive information kind yeah. of stuff yeah. yeah and then they applied them basically to cover up you know problematic yeah. People. It is so rotten to think about
2: that, like, you would silence people who've experienced abuse or mistreatment of some kind in that way. Because as you describe, it makes total sense that, like, you might think at the time, I'll never want to talk about this. This is a horrendous experience. Like, why would I ever talk about this? And then, as you say, with healing and with time, you may find that you feel like, actually, no, this is ridiculous. Like, I need everyone to know about this. Like, that's a very human process to go
4: through. But it's also potentially so, covering up criminality. So, in my yeah. mind, logically, it's like, how can a legal document cut off recourse? Like, so if you decide later on, actually, no, I want to actually report this to the guards like maybe it's on the much more serious end yeah you have a a legal contract that says that you that you can't do that some of them right some of the the NDAs even say you can't talk to family you can't talk uh to therapists you can't let revenue know to therapists yeah like I mean there's there's NDAs that actually name to make sure that you don't actually speak about it so you're mm. like interfering with someone's ability to be able to even process what they've experienced and to get and so, so many people are so frightened. So the NDAs, as far as I am aware, have not been tested. You know, mm. so it's like, well, would they stand up to challenge in court if someone decided to break them? But people are afraid to be the one that tries to do that. Now, what we've learned yeah. through our research is that there is um some of the men that we've worked with that have signed NDAs. What's interesting about their um, cases is that they initially had been whistleblowers within organisations. Like Mm. there's like a handful of men that we've been uh, working with in terms of examining their NDAs. And Julie McFarlane in Canada, law professor, she'll always go through the NDAs for me because some of them, some of them are tricky. So some of them will be presented as a severance agreement. Uh, but the NDA stuff is hidden in there so it's not always like presented to you as this is a non-disclosure agreement so you Mm. have to read all the contracts all the clauses to kind of see Mm. where the NDA clauses are popping popping up but with the men they had been whistleblowers in a couple of different sectors and because the, the 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 protected disclosures legislation didn't actually protect their identity, which is it's supposed to do, because often it's very obvious within, like, an office space or within, you know, a certain department. Who the person who's kind of trying to call something out, or whether it's a misappropriation of funds, whether it's whatever it may be, and after it became obvious that a particular person is a whistleblower, they're often kind of bullied out of the organisation. So under the under the under the uh, whistleblower legislation. And that person's supposed to be protected, and their employment is supposed to be protected. So what happens is then the kind of people that have the power within the organisation are bullying them people out of their jobs, making their jobs really difficult for them every mm. day. So the men that we worked with ended up signing NDAs because of the bullying situation that ensued from them being whistleblowers, and it was a common theme amongst the men that we were working with, which was which was really interesting. But one mm. of the NDAs that we examined actually had a clause in it that stated that you will no longer be uh, protected under the whistleblowing legislation. So the idea that you have a solicitor sitting there going, I'm going to make this person or think they can because I just don't think it could legally stand. Yeah. Um, I want to make this person think that they're, they're no longer can use um the protected disclosures legislation to uh, speak out against whatever. So, like, you can't just, you can't just make something not apply to somebody. Do you know what I mean? And so, it kind yeah. of, I think they're questionable anyway. But it, but it, it sets this blanket of fear.
2: So yeah, exactly. Because if, if you are told and yeah. you sign a document that says you will do, have to be incredibly brave to decide to test yeah. it because it might not go your way. And what are the potential? Like if it didn't go your way, if you did break an NDA, what are the what people kind are of are the consequences? Sued.
4: People are yeah. afraid of being sued. And um, you have people who are, I suppose, like one woman I've worked with, her biggest fear was um, her being sued. And like I live on my own and I have to pay my mortgage. And so it's it's yeah, it's this idea of having to pay um money to somebody because they've broke a, a legal contract you know so yeah, I, yeah. people, I don't think people are afraid afraid of being like imprisoned because they you know it's usually um you know legal action or civil action that yeah money bring.
2: yeah yeah which and not everybody has it exactly um so what's the next step so with your bill
4: so the government have given full support at every stage of the bill. So in the shanage of five stages. So this is the this is the, the, the last stage. And um, there is there. There is, I think, a general agreement that something has to happen. And I suppose I've for the last three years, I've moved it slowly because I um, Minister Roderick O'Gorman's department is the department that's responsible for this because it's under employment equality law mm-hmm. and his department has been doing a review of the um, employment equality legislation in general anyway. Mm. So he agreed to um, examine NDAs as part of that wider review. And mm. his department carried out research and desk-based research. And they agree that NDAs are commonplace in Ireland, um, but they're hard to fully expose because of the secret secretive nature of them. Mm. So I think his department are fully on board. They may feel that there's a different way to do it than how I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but what my hope is that they continue to support my bill to finish in the Shannon, because mm. it means then that they have the legislation in the doll. If they the government want to adopt it and write rewrite it as their own legislation, well, that would be the preferred option so that they can introduce it. Whether they introduce mm. some sort of amendment to the current uh, employment uh, legislation that looks a little bit different to mine. I mean, that's a conversation that i will have to keep having with them because you want to ensure that there's no, you know, there's no loopholes. Like currently, mm. currently some people's contracts have NDA's clauses in them preempting mm. <laughs> situations where situations haven't even happened or non disparaging clauses. Like you should always check your contracts for non disparaging clauses because it's basically the same thing, you know, because right. it, it, it can have this same effect so i think there may be um when in my legislation it doesn't um kind of cover what happens if they're in a contract rather than an agreement later on after a complaint has been made so there mm. may be some like dull amendments to my legislation to make sure that they're not used even at that kind of at that mm. level like at the signing of a contract
2: God it would really make you um like I can't tell you how many contracts I've signed without properly reading them or or <laughs> having someone who actually knows what they're doing properly yeah. read them and yeah. I suppose that's a good message aside from obviously the the excellent work you've been doing um to send to people is that like make sure that you do really thoroughly read and and get someone you know if you don't feel qualified get someone who really knows what they're doing to read through your contracts because I just can't imagine being in a situation where you maybe were sexually harassed at work and then being told that you can't talk about it, even to a therapist, like it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, it really is. So yeah. is there anything else you want people to know? What
4: can people do to support this bill? Well, I think obviously, you know, writing to government that they support or kind of raising awareness about it online or wherever, I do have an event next week and hence tea with Zelda Perkins who broke the Harvey Weinstein NDA. So like if people want to learn more about their impact... And mm-hmm. they're very welcome to come along to that. But I think it's just encouraging, it's just encouraging politicians to to support the legislation, but also yeah. raising awareness because there's the, every time I speak publicly about NDAs, more people contact me about their NDAs. And I think yeah. encouraging people to actually contact me even about their NDAs because the more data I have, the more understanding we gain. You know, and obviously we've never... You know, we've never broken anyone's confidence. You know, I have a lot of different types of NDAs uh, in my office, all redacted, all the important information redacted, but the clause is there so that we can fully understand them. So Mm. encouraging politicians to vote for it, but also encouraging people who have signed them to find a safe place to actually talk to someone about them or contact my office, because the more we build our knowledge on it, it becomes easier to try and um, challenge them, I suppose, at a political level
2: yeah okay so that event is taking place on tuesday the 24th of october in hen's teeth it's at seven o'clock may Kay, the wonderful may Kay, in conversation with zelda perkins um i think it's going to be fantastic lynn ruan i am never not inspired by the hard work you do and your endless dedication um to making things better it's thank really you. inspiring thank you so much
1: That's yeah.
2: Well, it would appear that Britney Spears' book is actually coming out. You will be surprised by who is reading the audiobook. You may also be surprised to hear who is literally backflipping around the cinema at Taylor Swift's Eras Tour film this week. Or maybe if you've been following the Taylor Swift cinematic universe, you won't. One way or the other, I had a ball chatting about it with the wonderful Kean Sullivan. I hope you enjoy. Kian Sullivan, it is a joy to have you back on the podcast and we have got some very important stuff to talk about this week um, in the, from the world of entertainment and celebs, um, starting with Britney Spears, her book, like I actually can't believe the book is actually happening,
0: I know. And it feels like there's lots of big memoirs coming out th- towards the end of this year. So I suppose a mild trigger warning, I guess, for this for around kind of like pregnancy terminations. Um, but yes, the press is a buzz about Britney Spears upcoming memoir, The Woman in Me, which is out on the 24th of October. So that's next Tuesday as you list this or at least That's the US release date. I don't know if there's a separate uh, European release date, but I assume it'll all be the same. Mm. Um, Some personal moments from the memoir have been circulating, most of which are regarding Mr. Timberlake. Uh, Brittany revealed that when she dated Justin Timberlake, she became pregnant with his baby, uh, but then had a termination. She said, It was a surprise, but for me, it wasn't a tragedy. I love Justin so much, I always expected us to have a family together one day. This would just be much easier than I anticipated. Um, Spears Now 41 writes of the pregnancy in the book, but Justin definitely wasn't happy about the pregnancy. He said, We weren't ready to have a baby in our lives, uh, that we were way too young. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's a big revelation. I mean, like, it kind of reminds of when she revealed that she was kind of forced onto, onto um, the pill. It wasn't, it was the, was it the bar she was for, forced to have, contraception, right, just,
2: anyway. Yeah,
0: contraception, anyway, of some variety, um, of a way. So <clears throat> fans are kind of. Doing what fans do, whether this is healthy or not, well, I guess it's not healthy, but whether it's true or not, I don't know. There, a lot of fans have gone back to the video for the song Every Time, in which um, the video depicts Britney's diminishing mental health and even an attempt uh, on her her life, but then she's resuscitated in a hospital and the ghost Britney walks over to this woman who's just given birth to a newborn baby and the camera like hangs on the baby for a very long time and that'll yeah. be around this time and people are wondering whether that's a kind of homage to kind of the regret she had about getting to the termination or just, like, the thought she had about the termination. Yeah. Um. So who knows where that's going to go. I, I think fans are even trying to get every time back into the charts.
2: Yeah, well, and they'll probably <laughs> succeed. Um, I think it's really yeah. heartbreaking, this news, because, you know, I feel like in the community that Britney's from, it wouldn't be uncommon to be young having babies. Like, I'm sure... Uh, it was a really difficult call for her I mean she has said it was it was a difficult call and um, yeah and you know she clearly was in love with him but it's I've heard other rumors like there's little bits and pieces of this book coming out and I think there's like some suggestions of infidelity by Justin like he I don't think is going to come out looking very good from this book
0: no, he's seemingly he's he's stressed out. Uh, reports are about what how he's going to be depicted in the book. Yeah, there are reports that he cheated on her. Uh, Britney said she wouldn't name the woman that that woman like has a family now. She's going to drag her in it. Uh, which, which by the way,
2: fair. yes, Queen, like that's yeah. so good to be like, yeah, I will drag my ex, but I will not be dragging this woman into it. Um yeah, because he's exactly. the one who owed her loyalty.
0: 100% mm. now of course the fans are on the case trying to work out who it is there's another quote I saw on Twitter it didn't come from a veritable source I think it was like half blood Brian or something like that um so you're we'll saying half blood Brian isn't out. a veritable source how
2: dare
0: you <laughs> uh, that's my it go-to was... source for news <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry um yeah, so basically there's a lot apparently it says, Okay, I'm ready, put it in, I said, and he replied, It's already in, my world collapsed. So I mean, is that too much information? Maybe, but let's see if that's in the book. And if half Love Brian is right.
1: If if
2: if if this book says that Justin Timberlake has a very small penis. I actually don't – I'm having so many different feelings right now. I actually don't know how to verbalize it. But I think my overwhelming feeling is, I mean, first of all, sorry. We obviously don't body shame. And it's not the size of of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. And being good in bed has nothing to do with the size of anything. But Mm. do I think that Justin Timberlake needs to be taken down a peg or two? Yes. Yes. Would this be... It's only that we know that he would think hate it. Something that I would us. bother him? Yes, exactly. Yes. And so therefore, you can't help but take a little bit of pleasure from it. Um, anyway, as you say, we don't know if that's true. I have to say, so far for me, one of the juiciest pieces of information about this book is that it's going to be read by Michelle Williams. Actor Michelle Williams.
0: For whatever reason, when they first said Michelle Williams, I pictured Vanessa Williams. And then I I was like, wow, Michelle Williams, I guess, is is an interesting choice. I I wonder, will she read it in the Britney trademark vocal fry? Or is she just, I don't know, is she going to be in character? Well, it's funny because
4: I
2: saw the listing for the book says read by Britney Spears and Michelle Williams. So like Britney must do something. Maybe she just does like the foreword or something.
0: I think so. Mm. There's audio of the foreword going around kind Mm. of her talking about how how much of her kind of heart is in the book yeah um, it seems to be incredibly salacious and heart wrenching in equal measure so it'll be interesting uh to hear it come out i am excited for the episode of celebrity memoir book club where they read the whole thing a lot quicker than i do and summarize it for me but uh, yeah i'm looking forward to getting into it
2: i can't get into celebrity memoir book club and so many people i know love it but i just they're just so mean I feel like I've said this on the podcast a hundred times. They're so mean. I can't cope. Um, but I might, I might listen to this one. I think I will. Yeah. Will I read it? I think I'll probably listen to Michelle Williams read it. To be honest. Yeah. Um, to be fair. But because I do want to know, and I'm glad that she is getting to say her piece, and um, finally after years of enforced silence, you
0: know. Hundred percent. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, and obviously. All the stuff about her family is going to be really interesting to hear too.
2: Yeah, I think actually maybe I will do a Patreon culture episode on this because there's going to be a lot to talk about, I think. Yeah.
0: Okay, Ooh, moving classy. on.
2: This, I I mean, when I say I literally could not believe this, like I was convinced it was a lie and it was a joke that someone was playing on Twitter. But Dolly Parton, actual Dolly Parton, my lifelong hero, Dolly Parton, was on Liveline this week.
0: So I think the first I heard of this was your tweet saying, Dolly Parton was on Liveline? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and whatever was the first thing that popped into my head was like, no, like that she just called in spontaneously to like share her thoughts on the budget. And, like I was like, <laughs> what? And then I was like, no, can't get a grip. So yes, Katie Hannon has been hosting Liveline this week and uh, got the opportunity to speak to Dolly Parton on the show on Tuesday about her upcoming book, Behind the Scenes, My Life and Rhinestones, a book about her fashion from over the years. Apparently um, she's been preserving her outfits in these warehouses since the beginning. I mean, what you know, she, we know she's a canny businesswoman, but she sometimes never like fails to impress me to how ha- to the degree of kindness that she has. Um, during the call, she spoke about a time in a pub in Ventry in Kerry with Seamus Bagley singing "Code Many Colors." She got like a famous Kerry GAA jersey for it she said that the jersey is in a frame in her basement and everyone asks her about it and how she always felt very and then she speaks with Sinead O'Connor how she always felt very connected to Sinead who was always really really sweet and then Dolly went on to speak to Sandra whose daughter gets books from Dolly's Imagination Library uh, which is a service that provides a book for a kid every month until they go to school encouraging them to read and um, so it was a really nice moment to hear like how Dolly actually, you know, affects the community here in Ireland. And, mm. you know, just we know how wide reaching her, her her magic is. But to hear like from an actual person who receives the books, I thought was really, really sweet.
2: Yeah, me too. Me too. I I will say mm. I I just when will it be my turn, Keen? you know? When will it be my turn? I love yep. Katie Hannan and I'm very happy for her. But when will my Dolly moment come? I've been waiting my whole life. I have... And this is a bit of a reveal. I have the woman's face tattooed on my arm. Like <laughs> I love her with my whole heart.
1: Yeah.
2: And I'm happy that Katie Hannon got to have that moment. But when will it be my turn? She is a gem. And like as hard ho- she-, she will not be around forever. I have to have my moment. No. <sighs> it wasn't this week though.
0: I mean, it- keep an- I mean, she's probably still doing promo for this book. I mean, just keep an eye on her release schedule and get there quickly. Oh, I have requested.
2: You better. I the requests have gone in, and like not just here, like when I was on Two FM and stuff. I have tried. So, am I a little bit bitter that Liveline got it? Liveline of all places. Love (laughs) Liveline, but like not known for its celebrity interviews. Um. Anyway, look, it's fine. My time will come. Um. Good things come to those who wait. Now, let's move on to one of my favorite celebrity stories of the year. Oh, sorry, did I miss something?
0: No, 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 just on Dolly. Apparently, she doesn't. text or email she faxes so if you can get her fax number okay fax, how you get her you need to be in the you need to find someone who'll give you her fax number and then you need to find a fax machine and then you will get her
2: well she did i remember years ago at alternative miss ireland i think it was the last alternative miss ireland that ever happened which was a kind of pageant mm-hmm. for drag queens um well not just drag queens but sort of um that used yeah. to happen every year that I wish they would bring back. Oh my God, it used to be the best night of the year. Um, mm. But I think at the last one, they got a video message from Dolly for Panty because Panty is also a huge Dolly fan. Um, so, it, you know, it's I, it doesn't feel impossible. Not suggesting that I have the same cultural significance as Panty, but like I feel like it's not completely unachievable. So you're right. Maybe yeah. I need to get that fax number. Okay. okay. As I said, one of my favorite celebrity stories of the year because I just find this man endlessly entertaining I'm talking about Taylor Lautner. you may have forgotten about him he was the not Edward Cullen character in the Twilight films and um, also Taylor Swift's ex-boyfriend and he has resurfaced in the Taylor lore of late during her tour and he he like many people of taste went to see the era's film but he unlike other people had a very unique reaction to the film
0: he has been backflipping his way back to fame. So Taylor Lautner dusted off his uh his you know his gymnastic skills. Earlier on this year, we saw him backflipping on stage with Taylor and the Kansas City Arena Tour of the Eras Tour. And um, this was to help her launch Speaking Out Taylor's version, which is one of the albums that she's re-recording as part of this kind of way for it to claim back her her um what's it called her her back catalog
2: yeah
0: back catalog etc um then as po- when she released speak now taylor's version there was a video of one of the vault songs that she didn't have released originally but she released this time around called i could see you T- uh, taylor Lautner was in that again he was backflipping in the video fighting off people with sticks and stuff like that um and then because good things come in th- in threes he went to go see the um era's tour movie uh this week with his wife who's also called taylor lotner and he like the other fans got up to have a bit of a dance to karma at the end and then guess what started back flipping around this the, the cinema and <laughs> <laughs> do you know when you see a video where one person is like dancing at 100 and the other people are dancing at like 20 that was him backflipping. Like,
2: he just can't help himself the man just loves a backflip
0: loves a back he would that do you know what i mean it's like any good reality TV star When you know what people want from you You just yeah. give it to them And it's that's like what it is now.
2: Bethany Or not Bethany uh, Kyle from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills And the ponytail swish around That she does
0: Absolutely I Absolutely. love it
2: I love it You keep keep on backflipping Taylor Do you know what? If I could backflip I'd be doing it the whole time as well Of to course Like yeah, I'd never I mean... stop
0: My only party trick is I could touch my nose and my tongue and I'll do that at the drop of a hat.
2: I want to see that the next time I see you in person. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, you went to see the Era's tour film. I have decided not to in the hope that I'll get to go to the gig and I want to save myself
0: for
2: it. And then I'll watch the film after. That's the decision that I've made. Um, But I'm very interested to hear your take on the film.
0: So I haven't seen the tour. um, I really wanted to go. I cycled to three cinemas to get to see it. (laughs) Wow! I was so determined to go see it. It's two hours forty minutes. Um, I thought, like, I, I've watched these these documentaries before of live singing, like Beyonce's Homecoming, which is amazing. But when I'm on my couch, I like, was like, I'm a bit bored. I kind of just want to see what song yeah. she does next or what look she has next. But I found this really engaging for about two hours. I did begin to flag then. At that point, um, I think it kind of like lost its steam. But like, it is like you have the best seat in the house you have you can see her from above so basically the whole um, show is geared towards no matter where you're sitting you get something different so if you're up close to her you get to see her and interact with her but if you're up high I think she walks on as a light show and mm. it's all kind of you know it interacts with her she moves around with it and then there's great dancing and stuff like that so you get to see all aspects of it from all different angles yeah. Um they go to the areas I, I really enjoyed it I there's this moment like when everyone is just so excited for her I would would get goosebumps from it like at the bridge of cruel summer Mm. you get the all too well 10 minute version which I was crying in the cinema singing along (laughs) to it like and then after that point it does sort of die down I think it does kind of run out of steam at that point but Mm. I think like that's still two hours of entertainment
2: yeah
0: Um, I think it was really interesting to see her dancing because famously she can't dance but I think because she, she's so tall and slim and model esque, like she does a lot of strutting and hair flicks and um pointing in a way that, like, looks like it's dancing when the dancers do it with her, but it's actually kind of just pointing and walking. But, like, yeah. it looks cool.
2: I feel like they build the choreography around her ability. <laughs> yeah. I felt the same with Dua Lipa when I went to see Dua Lipa last oh, year. Yeah. Like, Dua Lipa famously can't dance, but, like, they'd made the bits where she joined in kind of work for her and her mm-hmm. ability, which is what you would want your choreographer to do. Um, yeah, 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 I definitely will see it. I wonder now, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, I want to go see it now. So we'll see how long I can actually wait. Um. OK, now, before we finish up, I, we, I meant to talk about this last week and forgot, but the, the thing is, she literally won't stop talking. So it's still relevant now. Jada Pinkett Smith has been... I would say potentially oversharing um, over the last couple of weeks around the launch of her memoir.
0: Oh, big time. So her mem- memoir is called Worthy. Um, I've written down here that she's, in my opinion, the patron saint of oversharing. Okay. And she has been sharing anything about a relationship that people will listen to with, you know, she has previously dropped chains, of course, over the years that she has an open relationship, saying that Will is a free man. There have there was that quote entanglement with August uh Alcina, mm. and that Will gave his blessing. Now she's saying that the couple have actually been separated, but are technically divorced since 2016, and was surprised when Will referred to Jada as his wife during Slapgate. Mm. Um the line from the there was a line from the Vox article that tickled me. Um The Smiths do not have a prenup but they have a magical connection which allowed Pinkett Smith to know she was pregnant with son Jaden within moments after conception. What? No. The mother, Nuggets, that have come out recently. She used to sell drugs as a teenager. Tupac is her soulmate. They both have alopecia. She describes herself as an urban nun and she believes the hallucinogenic plant medicine, Ayahuasca, saved her life.
3: Huh.
2: (laughs) Okay, Jada. Cool. Um, I do want to do ayahuasca, though.
0: Uh, I have a friend who did it, didn't love it, but he did a similar one called San Pedro, which he found very profound.
2: Yeah, I really like the idea of, like, you know, consuming, like, opening your mind in the way that people decide. <laughs> but, like, I tend to usually be let down by things like this. Like, you know, I'm thinking of my ADHD medication. <laughs> <laughs> else got these great results and i was just like no i just feel kind of anxious No, i'm still on that journey guys i'm still on that jersey journey but it would be mm. so classic me to like fly to south america for this like life-changing experience and then just like sit there thinking about britney or something for two hours or however long it goes on for it's longer yeah.
0: than that and yeah. um, <laughs> it goes for much longer i think yeah i think that's
2: the challenge of it actually
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i don't know like obviously she's a book to sell they have an interesting relationship but it's kind of like you know they've kind of like given us this information and then nothing else like I, I i don't understand the end game here it kind of feels like they're kind of tarnishing their their power couple legacy in a way
2: yeah like what's the point why do we need to know this we don't like you know whatever yeah. works for them is fine and yeah. you know only very close-minded people i think would have any issue with that and mm. like you know, families function in loads of different ways, and relationships evolve in lots of different ways, and people can set their own parameters for how relationships work. And um, I think, yeah, I would rather not know. That is that is my.
0: And the thing I want feeling. to know is like, were they ever in Scientology or not? Like, give us some clarity. Yeah, give and us that, what that we need to know. You know, <laughs> yeah. there was always rumors about Will's sexuality. Like, is that you know, is, is that on the table? you're giving us all these things we don't care for give us give us what we want
2: (laughs) i agree if you're gonna give us dirt give us the real dirt jada otherwise just don't give us dirt and that's fine okay well i'm glad we're on the same page well kian thank you so much for coming on and joining me tell me um where can people find you you are back on the hardcore rupaul train i know
0: yes absolutely so RuPaul's Drag Race UK is back airing Thursdays so I have new episodes out every Friday reacting to that That's and if you don't watch Drag Race pod. on Sissy That Pod excuse me yes thank you and if you don't listen to that and you just want two hours of really gay pop and dance music every Wednesday I'm on RTE Pulse from 8 to 10.
2: Who doesn't want two hours of really gay pop Who and doesn't? dance music on I mean, Wednesday I mean honestly. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Keen, thank you so much.
0: No problem thanks for having me.
2: Well, my pals, it is just about time for me to go. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of recommendations for you this week. I have still been watching Big Brother, watching and enjoying. Um, other than that, I'm still loving the Real Housewives of New York City, the new one. Um, and I just didn't. I've. I've. I'm doing some reading at the moment for an event I have to do, and I just didn't have a lot of, a lot of time to do anything. But work this week oh my god wow 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 woe is me how hard my life is so hard (laughs) my life is not hard i just always feel like i failed you when i don't have a recommendation you know um So I am sorry, but I'm going to try and consume a good bit of culture over the course of the next week so that I have more to tell you about because I do love sharing things with you. Um, Yeah, so I mean, that really is it. I guess I just want to say take care of yourself. It is not an easy time at the moment. Things can feel really overwhelming and frankly, too much. Um, I think a lot of people feel really powerless and overwhelmed. And that is, those are all human emotions that are completely valid in this current time that we're living in. So if you can take care of yourself talk to people who who make you feel good hang out with people who make you feel good maybe get some alone time in if that's what you need if you can in any way I know sometimes that's hard to come by and but one way or the other I would love if you could just show yourself compassion and kindness this week because things are tough Thank you so much to all of my contributors. Don't forget the Patreon is there if you want extra content. There are two extra episodes um, a month or I, I think it actually works out at a little bit more than that. Every second week you get an extra episode that we have a culture episode coming up next week where I discuss an article of culture with a contributor. Uh, we've done really good ones, loads of really good ones already and they're all there so if you join up the Patreon you can go and listen to them now um, and there is a really nice vibe I have to say on the Patreon with our mailbag episodes and all the rest so if you want to join please do. Uh, my next live show currently is in cork in february which i'm planning at the moment very excited about that i'll have more information on that forthwith um but in the meantime yeah thank you so much to my contributors you are all wonderful i love you Uh, thank you so much to Acast for having me on the network thank you for tolerating the less than perfect sound this week um hopefully that's a one-off and i will talk to you next week i hope you have a good one but if it's not good and they can't all be good that's okay just put one foot in front of the other and we'll be together again soon.